Welcome to Gaia's Consciousness Podcast, expanding your mind and spirit. Learn even more at Gaia.com. Watch interviews, movies, and original series created to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Your journey begins here. Everybody asks the question, who are you? But I ask the question, what are you? I am Randy Weitenheimer, and for years I have been studying with some of the top masters of the world that deal with the idea of consciousness. Today, I want to offer a new view on consciousness that I hope might help you remove blocks and get you back to who you are. So what is consciousness? The greatest thing about being human is consciousness. In fact, it's the only thing that defines our existence. Consciousness is awareness of one's self-existence and existence is self. This is the duality. Consciousness is self-awareness and awareness of the self. There have been many attempts to examine consciousness. What is it? How does it work? The current model is breaking down human consciousness into subcategories, per Freud. He broke consciousness down into three layers, the alert consciousness, the subconsciousness, and unconsciousness. In my opinion, consciousness is not layered or subdivided. It is homogenous. When we deal with human consciousness, we also deal with a collective consciousness of humanity, and not as a separate, but as an integrated part of human consciousness and knowledge. We can examine human collective consciousness. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to share a collective consciousness? To share and be a part of a collective consciousness identity group consciousness, religion, family, politics, tribal consciousness, creative consciousness. These are all aspects of what it means to be human. And if you are a human, you are human as a species and as an individual. Reaper Sheldrake introduces the concept of morphic fields, which is also the same concept of consciousness, subconsciousness, unconsciousness, and individual consciousness. Why is it important? It gives us additional insight into the origins of problems and behavior and disease. You have an energy field, a human energy field. The first layer is referred to as the etheric field. And on most people, that is probably two to three inches. There's ways to become sensitive to that. We're sensitive to it already. It comes in the form of somebody that walks up behind you or you feel like somebody is looking at you. It's called a proximity sense. And that is when you're directly engaged with your etheric field. 
but nobody ever seems to explain it. So let's use acupuncture. When you stick that needle onto one of those energy points on the body, you are changing the energy flow at that point. Acupuncture needles stick up into your etheric field. It represents a short circuit. You're taking the entire human energy field and you're able to short circuit it to some degree and cause the energy flow around you to now be introduced into you. Another stage of acupuncture would be to be able to take one needle and be able to hit one point and through it to engage any other or all other points on the body. A third level of acupuncture, the ability to use your touch. When you touch somebody, you're actually touching them with your entire electromagnetic field, but the method of contact and the method of transfer is your etheric field. When you touch somebody on one of these points, you are able, at a certain level of practice, to be able to do the same thing as what the needle's doing. The next level of advancement would be to be able to touch one point on the human body and be able to hit any other point or to hit all points and thereby energize the whole system. But those points have correspondence. They correspond to your organs or, or to processes in the body. And these have been extensively studied. All human health depends on energy and energy flow. So what is an energy field? You are an energy field. What is a morphic field? It is an energy field. What is collective consciousness? It's an energy field. The difference is the human energy field has a physicality to it. What does the energetic field look like? The easiest way I've come to define it and see it is as a bubble a human energy bubble. It extends out, ideally, to a minimum of nine feet. At the nine foot mark, you have a causal barrier. You have the limit of your own consciousness and your own existence. Now, that does not include your ability to be projective, your ability to connect to other energy fields, but morphic fields are strictly information. Energy slowed down in physics is information. Extra-dimensional information flows are trans-dimensional information flows. We connect. We have connections. We have connections to energy fields. We have connections to information fields. They are different. They're processed at a different rate. So morphic fields is an ideal way to explain a body of information that is limited, that we can put a causal barrier on, that we can put brackets on, that we can call a set of information. So not only do you have a big nine-foot bubble of yourself, you are connected to all these other bubbles. Let's say you don't have a nine-foot bubble. You're more subject to information flows that are larger than you. And some of the information flows we're subject to are massive. It's incredible the amount of information that has been dumped into them over thousands of years. 
And when we touch upon them, that's all we do. We touch upon them until we can decide whether to move into them, to accept that information, or to explore it. I like the idea that we're a nine-foot bubble, that we can expand out to hundreds of feet or thousands of feet or millions of miles. But in the process that we can encompass other bubbles of information and that we can integrate them or synchronize with them or become congruent where those values and that information becomes something that we can utilize in our everyday life and our experience as human beings. To me, one of the most important things to understand and study is the nature of these trans-dimensional interactions, these extra-dimensional interactions that affect us energetically at all times. One of those is participatory consciousness. We don't think about that when we identify ourselves as a particular religious group or a particular political group, are of a particular tribe, that we are in a state of participatory consciousness. When you say, I am anything other than your name, you are exhibiting participatory consciousness participation. You're identifying something with something outside of who you are and what you are. Group consciousness is the same thing. We identify as a group, as a nation, as an organization. Same thing, it does not exist except as a morphic field, as a level of information that we are tapped into, something that we draw information from. And eventually we get to creative consciousness. And creative consciousness is where we are best able to express ourselves, identify ourselves and progress ourselves to a greater state of being. The study of human consciousness is a very mental and intellectual exercise, but there are other ways to acquire this knowledge. One of those ways is through another teacher and a body of teachings that he brought to the United States, and that is Yogi Bhajan. Yogi Bhajan came to the United States and declared that he would teach Kundalini Yoga. Kundalini Yoga gives you an opportunity to explore consciousness from a physicality, from your physical existence to begin with, but it also is open-ended in its ability to allow you to move upward in your levels of consciousness. I lived in Los Angeles when I was in my 20s and found that I had a big problem of what they call monkey mind. I couldn't go to sleep at night. My mind would go in a million miles an hour. A commercial came on the TV about doing yoga. In 1971, yoga was not very well-known or very popular, but it said that it would give you the ability to relax. I went to that first Hatha yoga class, and it was true. 
I was able to sleep after doing those exercises. And that is one of the things about being alive is we need our sleep. And if you don't get your sleep, you tend to be not yourself. Being not yourself is a classic thing that Kundalini Yoga addresses. All of this information has to come to a single place, and that is inside you. Gaia.com lets you explore over 8,000 films, documentaries, and original series. There's so much going on in the unseen world. Hidden truth. Why in the media today? They still seem to hold back on these incredible stories. Behind an unknown universe. Where science and spirituality all come together. Gaia.com. Content you can't find anywhere else. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. I think one of the most difficult things that a person encounters in life is trying to find some internal understanding or some internal balance about everything from morphic fields to level of consciousness to new age to the entire reality we're presented with. One of the things I did was to divide it up. The duality of reality. Number one reality, the physicality of everything you do during the day. And then zero reality, everything that exists in your imagination, in your emotions, in your relationships, that all occurs all at an energetic level. Number one reality has an energetic level. It's where you expend a lot of energy in the course of a day. But we also know that just thinking all day long will wear you out. It dissipates your energy. We want to be able to integrate all this and not suffer because of it. Kundalini Yoga is zero and number one reality combined. It has physical exercises, but it also has the work of the imagination, the work of the intellect also at play. Hatha yoga is number one reality. Hatha yoga, for the most part, is to do the physical exercises. And so is Zumba, and so is running or CrossFit. All of these have the same desired outcome, to achieve a higher level of energy and consciousness because energy and consciousness levels are interchangeable. It's just that each of these approach it from different directions. You can approach the advancement of your own consciousness from a physical level or from a mental, from a creative level. This is a quote from Yogi Bhajan in 2003. It still has value and resonance today. A new age calls for its own words to live by. Spiritual teachers, and there are thousands of them, shared principles. Some of these principles have come to us in the form of sutras. A sutra is a complex spiritual concept. Sutras allowed sacred teachings to be protected from harm and were brief enough to be remembered by students in ancient times and also under stress. The Yoga Sutras of Pantajali have sustained the world over thousands of years in their perfect wisdom. These are the five sutras of the Aquarian Age given to us by Yogi Bhajan. Number one, recognize the other person as you. This is where our consciousness 
can encompass the ideal of another person's consciousness and the ideal that it is different but still can be accepted. The second one is there is a way through every block. One of the things about the speed of our civilization is that it appears to be speeding up to everybody and it doesn't give us enough time to work through the blocks we have, to work through the interference, to recognize the path we need to pursue to move forward. The third one, when the time is on you, start and the pressure would be off. This is a very simple act. It is one of the primary things that is required of you is to stop thinking, to stop feeling, and turn around and make an action. So many people are stuck in their consciousness. They're stuck at a certain level and they can't seem to get out of it and it requires you to move. The fourth sutra is understanding through compassion or you will misunderstand the times. This deals with the ego. The ego wants to be right and compassion requires the truth. If you seek the truth, you will not misunderstand the person in front of you or the circumstances that are going on around you. The fifth one, I love the fifth one, vibrate the cosmos. When you vibrate the consciousness, you vibrate the cosmos. When you vibrate the cosmos with the idea of love, with the level of love, with the idea of joy, with the level of joy, you are changing your environment and you're changing everyone you relate to and everyone you interact with. Every morphic field and every level of consciousness has values. And it also has a timeline for when we either experience them or when we adopt them. Astrologers have determined that every 2,000 years, time moves us into a new age. In simple language, this means we are completing the age of Pisces and moving into the age of Aquarius. Each age has its own theme, its own axiom. Piscean values work from the ego, creating boundaries. They were necessary to advance our consciousness. Aquarian values have no boundaries. That's what we see today. They are infinite. And we see the turmoil that goes on from the adjustment. Aquarian consciousness takes you inside your soul so that you can relate to the soul and all. In addition to Rupert Sheldrake's work, Dr. David Hawkins has presented another approach to human consciousness. He delineated human awareness into levels of consciousness. Several years ago, I attended a lecture. During the course of that lecture, he brought out a book, and the title of the book was Power Versus Force. And I was shocked because the information in that book was things that I had been studying through all these other teachers. And yet here all was in a concise form, laid out in a way that you could explore it and understand it. He was explaining the basic ideal and levels of consciousness 
that every human experiences in the course of their life. It's a reason why I have advocated for anybody who is studying consciousness that this is something they should read. It will give you a basic understanding and give you mechanisms to understand energy flow, energy transference, the connections we have. Everything I've talked about is also talked about in that book, except I learned it from all these other teachers in the same way that David did. He consolidated them and advanced the ideas by expanding them and making them relate. And that is the greatest thing we can do is to learn to relate to all the different ideals and levels of consciousness out there. When I went to Dr. David Hawkins' lectures, realization was something that happened. It wasn't something that I worked for. Maybe the work that you do up to now is important, but realization is when it all comes together. So Dr. Hawkins, when he laid out the levels of consciousness, the map of consciousness he presented was not meant to be the end-all study of consciousness. It was meant to give you a guideline. And each level was something that could be studied and understood, and something that could be related to in your everyday life, in your own experiences, and in your own studies, and your own reading. I was able to integrate it, I was able to come synchronized with it, and I was able to become congruent, meaning to work out of a new level of consciousness. And particularly as it applies to other people, and to companies, and to business, and to all manner of other information bubbles, and all manner of individuals. Because consciousness is interactive. It is in between. It's the relationship. So one of the things about power versus force is that when you study levels of consciousness, we come back to a very important thing. And that is, you are in an energy crisis because if you participate in everything under 200 level consciousness, it's in the book, it deletes energy from your energy field. It distracts you. It takes energy away from you. It makes you less than yourself. And then all the magic occurs at the level of 200. At 200, the level of consciousness is one of courage, the courage to advance yourself, the courage to explore the truth, the courage to accept reality for what it is and not be judgmental about it. And this, of course, is also one of the things that Dr. Rupert Sheldrake talks about and accepting the consciousness of animals and trees. One of the things that Yogi Bhajan talked about, and that is accepting the consciousness of other living beings as something that exists and something not to be judgmental about. One of the things that occurs if we look at collective consciousness and political consciousness, religious consciousness, every one of those has some form of judgment in them and judgment lowers your energy field. It is an activity of below 200. And 200 level consciousness of courage is one that allows you to move upwards. And until you find the courage to be yourself and to accept these things as truth, you will always be stuck 
you will always have no energy and you will always be a victim of the environment and the universe. We go out of victimhood. When we move our consciousness above 200, we move it from not just courage into acceptance. And in acceptance is the entire universe is available to you because you're not judgmental about it. He wrote an additional 14 books. The last one is called Letting Go and probably is one of the most effective techniques to break the connections that you have formed with your own energy existence, your own energy bubble, because some of those no longer serve you. Those values and the time of their existence no longer applies. So now we have the whole idea that we can elevate or that we can move upwards in consciousness. Here's the concepts that you can explore and find some way to integrate, synchronize, and make congruent to where you can act out of a new level of consciousness. Consciousness is a process of growth. It is something that we're on the path of, and that's what it means to be on the path, is to move forward. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaia's Consciousness Podcast. Learn even more at Gaia.com and watch interviews, movies, and original series, all to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Gaia. Watch. Belong. Transform.